Hi, how's everybody doing? This is John Taylor at Keep Sharing. We are moving on through the episodes now on episode two, season three in February. So, yeah, another January's now gone and, and flew over. That little blue month's now out the way and we can start really focusing on, on the new season coming up. Um, for some people, I know it's frustrating that we can't get out and play at the moment, but for others um, that are fortunate enough to play, I'm happy for you, but I'm really sad that I can't get out. So hopefully the people in the UK can get out for a game as soon as possible and we can get prepared and start socialising and interacting with people. Today's guest um, I'd like to welcome is Andrew Murray and he's a former European uh, Open champion and he's a BBC Five live summariser. Um, he's the founder of M or the MD of AM Golf Limited. It's a corporate golf event and specialises um, over in the northwestern Cheshire. Andrew's played on the European Tour for 20 years and then um, with a bad hip he had to have a replacement and Andy Murray now resurfaced in 2000 and, in 2000 and 10 years on the senior tour and across um, Europe. He's a brand ambassador for Turnbury Shrixen, a golfer's magazine, and does a lot of work for Prostate Cancer UK as well. He's a coach um, and he looks at hosting events and that's his speciality. He is lucky to have played in the golden era with the likes of Seve Ballesteros, Nick Faldo, Sandy Lyon and Langer and co which is something that we'll talk about when we go through the programme. So welcome to the show, Andrew, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Well, that was some, that was some introduction there, John. Thanks very much. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you. Nice to, be, uh, nice to be alongside you. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, we met, obviously, on the, on the good social media platforms there, and I've seen what you were up to. And the show is really about looking at who's inspired people along the way, a few pitfalls and success stories. But yeah. uh, one question I just really want to ask you is this, uh, BBC Radio Five Live uh, summariser. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of things are you doing on there at the moment, and is that busy for you in this time? Well, absolutely not at this time. Um, you can imagine everyone's uh, obviously there's nobody attending tournaments anymore. So um, there's there's just the European Tour have that bubble of players and caddies and officials, and that's just about it. Um, so the summarising this year has been non-existent, or this year as in this year just gone. Um, we were doing a little bit of summarising from the television screens with a special feed that came into Salford uh, at Media City in Manchester, where the BBC is based now. Um, so that was interesting, you know, uh, commentating on the US Open. Um, so that was uh, a bit of a treat when uh, we saw that Bryson won. Uh, and the course was uh, mega and, and, you know, it was very, really difficult, obviously, at Wingfoot. But it was... Um, yeah, it's a very different experience commentating off a television screen from a studio in Manchester than it is uh, being out walking the fairways with John Murray and Alistair Bruce Paul and Ian Carter and co. And it's, um, yeah, hopefully we can get back to that some some part of that this year, hopefully. When you when you said, uh, John, in the introduction, of course, the guys in Scotland are those, are the, those are the lucky ones in the UK that are still managing to play as long as they live within four or five miles, I think it is, of their golf courses. So... It's those that I feel uh, envious of. I've got a pal of mine who's a member at Muirfield and a pal, another pal who's a member at Turnbury. Um, and they're sending me pictures of, uh, of glorious Lynx days up there. And it's uh, a bit of a sickener, really. But we'll be back sometime. Well, we hopefully will. And then you can, you know, the other role that you play massively is the MD of AM, 
golf and uh, corporate events, and I can understand that's taken a bit of a hit. Yeah, um, and we trying are to really that. get that focus as well. But yeah, envy of the boys up there playing, and the Scottish borders are only an hour and a half, so I don't think I would get away with travelling up there. <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> no, hopefully you definitely can't. The, you can't do that. No, well, when the when the fog clears, and I, and I hopefully it won't be long. Uh, spring will be on its way, and the courses will be in beautiful conditions, and we can start walking them again. Um, which right. is what you've done, really, for 20 years, isn't it, on, on the tour? Just yeah, true, share true. Us a, yeah, a little bit about what that was like for you getting into the game, really, and then that whole era. Yeah, as you, as you said in the intro, uh, John, I was very much part of that golden era, although absolutely in the shadows, it has to be said, apart from perhaps one or two weeks um, when I was up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started uh, trying to get a card on the European Tour, uh, having done my five years as, as an assistant pro at Bram Hall in Cheshire, and then uh, got a tour card at the end of 1979 season, so to play 1980 season. Uh, didn't do very well. Um, managed then a couple of years later to get a, a fantastic sponsorship, which allowed me to play and troop all over the place, really. So I played uh, in South Africa and uh, all sorts of um, West Africa, East Africa on the safari tour. Um, where the likes of Woosnam and Faldo and, and certainly Sunderland sort of grounded themselves on overseas golf as well. So um, when I got a card, I, I was lucky I never lost it. Uh, I kept it until uh, the end of 96 season, so um, not far off 20 years. And as you said, I was playing alongside those golden greats, really, Seve and Faldo and Langer and uh, Olofarbel and, um, you know, there's some great Woozy, of course. Um, some fantastic players and won multiple majors between them in that period that I played. So I was lucky enough to play with them all a few times, which was a bit of a treat, really. Fabulous stuff. And, and you, you mentioned, obviously, that 20 years and then you had a bit of an injury. But I just want to take you back because one of the things that I like to talk to golfers about is the preparation leading up to tournaments. And when you look at the likes of Seve Ballesteros, that charisma that he had, um, bouncing up the fairways, so creative within his thinking. They had, um, they had, I feel as if, a lot less distraction by, you know, you've obviously got a lot of social media stuff now. It's all about, like, the look and the technology and things like that. And that wasn't around when you were playing. Um, so what really kept you focused from a mental perspective? And how do you think you, your character was when you were playing? Oof. Multiple uh, questions. Uh, how did those guys... Uh, we all stayed focused because we didn't know anything better. Um, there wasn't the distractions of social media to, uh, and mobile phones, of course, not until the latter half of my career, I suppose. Um, so if you were phoning home or you're phoning your dad or your coach or uh, husbands and wives and you know all the rest of it, um, then it was in a coin box or for those lucky enough to be able to afford using the hotel telephone, they, they could use those, but... Um, it was a very, very different era. It was um, it was very much more nomadic, I think, in some ways. Um, there was groups of us. There was two or three of my pals that we just travelled all over the place together. Uh, if one of the, one of us made the cut, the other the other two stayed on, and we shared a, a hire car to get back to the airport. And it wasn't the cheap flights that there is now. So it was you know you were stuck with a Sunday night flight if you missed the cut. You had to stick around and wait at the weekend like everybody else who was playing. So it was 
it was a very, very different era. There was no range balls on the range, so it was hit your own practice balls. Um, and if you had a caddy, you were you were one of the top guns. So that <laughs> definitely wasn't me. Um, yeah. So it was uh, it was a very different world, really. And it, I think it made you a little bit more um, hungry, I suppose. You know, when you when you haven't got anything, there was no you didn't there was nothing like you know courtesy cars and uh, and you know, tightless door strips and range balls on the on the on the ranges that they have now. You know, first first grade quality balls. It was um, it was very different. There was no players' lounges. It was every man for himself. It made you a little bit more selfish in some ways, but it made you a little bit more. I wouldn't say gutsy. That's probably not the right word. Determined, tenacious, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps because you saw the top guys, the likes of Wuzzy and Faldo and. You know, they were all the top guns that were getting shepherded around by the sponsors. And we wanted a, a piece of that pie. And unless you were good enough, you, then you didn't get it. So um, it was very dog-eat-dog. And it still is a bit. But, um, you know, the, the rewards are that much greater now, of course, aren't they? So um, I'm not saying that we didn't do all right in, the, in those days. And it wasn't, you know, it, there was no bitterness about how much the players are making now and how much we made then. But um, it's just a very different era. So... Uh, yeah. What you can't um, comprehend, I suppose, or can't argue with, not comprehend, um, is how good those top guys were because they took America by storm, all of them. You know, they won multiple majors over in America. Uh, how many ma- how many masters did, you know, between Sevier and Langer and Faldo and Olaf Arbel and Wuzzy Lyle? Uh, there was about 10 or 12 masters championships that they won between them. So in that era, it was terrific for European golf. That's brilliant stuff. When you're talking to me there, the word that's coming to my head is I felt like you guys were a little bit more robust. Um, yeah. The resilience. Um, I'm not saying that the guys on the tour aren't now, but there's not many players that are replicating what happened then. Um, no. I, 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 it's an interesting study that if you think if you have brought a golfer through without using technology and his own initial thoughts and his own his own his whole thinking, his belonging, because it comes down to you at the end of the day making that decision at that pivotal moment. Yeah. I think the reliant on technology is becoming really good in some areas and it's and it's boosting the game and these people are now being brought up on it. But I feel as if they don't know how to cope sometimes with the the fallout or the or the negativity as as strongly as probably what you guys did. Um, but I know each to their own. But the resilience yeah. and the robustness was a lot tougher than I can imagine by what you yeah, just said. I, I, I think there's an element of truth in that. Um, I, I, I do genuinely think there's an element of truth. We helped each other. Those guys, um, I, I was big mates with Peter Barber and Paul Carrigal were my big travelling companions. And um, both of those guys lasted 10 or 12 years. I lasted a bit longer. But um, they, we were all in it together and we all helped each other and we and we traveled together and we roomed together and uh you know we we did it all as cheap as we could because we didn't we weren't top players so we couldn't afford it um there was no you know if i was struggling with my game they were trying to help me and i was trying to help them and there was no camera phones and there was no videos that you could send to coaches even remotely and you know you go on the range now and everyone's got uh whether it's their own uh trackman or gc2 or quad or some sort of radar device that uh, that gives them the feedback that they can and then they've got telephones that go straight back to the coaches in 
any other part of the world instantaneously yeah. taking videos and sending them and sharing them with uh, with the coaches all the time and it, it's just a different era and that's why the standard is so good because they're the coaching is that much better and, and the players are that much fitter. I think that's the other thing. It's very precise, isn't it, now, golf? Yeah, I, I, it's become a, a business and it's become a, a science in itself as the Chambeau has uh, sort of taken it to another level of, of science, I suppose, uh, whether you like it or whether you don't. Um, not my bag particularly, but um, the, the, the top guys are so good and they are so fit and they are so strong and they hit the ball with such precision um, at vast distances. It's uh, absolutely fantastic to watch it when you're alongside those top guys, uh, even commentating. Um, and my son is a, a proper fantastic player uh, on the Challenge Tour. And, um, you know, when I see him hit it and you think, I mean, I've never hit the ball like that, never will yeah. hit the ball like that with such precision and power. It's yeah. uh, fantastic. It's, it, it's like... I would say, you know, people are running faster and jumping higher. So that's the whole thing with golf. Same, same as. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, uh, do you think it's a bit robotic as well, though? Um, I feel as if it just, it's really good to watch. And like the position and the, and the distance it's going and the, and the way that they can just land it where they want it to now with, with so much accuracy. But I, I look at players um, and I coach quite a few as well. And it's like, their physiology is just like loosen up a little bit, you know. Like, I just don't know. They are fit, but they do look absolutely solid. But when they're walking along, it's just like the ones I feel that are going to win are the ones that are really like fluent and flowing rather than being too stiff and accurate at what they're doing. And that that in itself, I think, can become a bit of a distraction. And yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, sure you're, I'm sure you're right. I think a lot of players get in their own way, you might say, as a performance coach. Um, you know they uh, they don't let it happen. They they want to make it happen so badly that they're almost uh, in their own way by doing so. And that, that's a real trick in itself is to get in a in a state of uh, mind and uh, mentality to allow your just to go play. I remember uh, a pal of mine, um, an ex Ryder Cup player, Peter Dawson, used to say to me, Andrew, just go play. Don't worry about it. Just go play. Go play with your fade, or go play with your draw, or you know, just go and play. And it was, um, and it was so true. And it, it's difficult to sort of take it on and, and let go sometimes. Uh, but sometimes in letting go, you actually um, allow a little bit more fluidity, I suppose. Yeah, a bit more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> freedom in thought and soul and body. Yeah. Um, so that was your the highlight of what you've done within your life and then you managed to get onto the senior tour after a bit of an injury through, yeah. through your hip. Um, yeah. What would you say to people now who are transitioning to either wanting to knock three or four shots off their game, transitioning from this professional or this amateur to professional? Because I feel as if it doesn't matter what you set your mind to, there's an element of transition for you personally. So these people that are just really wanting to push on with their game what kind of things do you think they should be practicing more of or doing a little bit better of rather than trying to be too distracted by what's going on? What, what would your advice be for the up-and-coming golfers and like people pushing into the big time? I think if you, you've got to separate this a little bit in some ways, John. And actually, I'm thinking if the up-and-coming golfers are the aspiring young tour pros 
of the future if they're aspiring to be you know the next Rory or to get on tour and become you know um well, become tour players, then you're talking about a very small number of players that have got A, the talent, B, the mentality to do it. Um, so flexibility, strength, um, and that ability to uh, overcome adversity, um, roll with the punches, take the rough with the smooth, whatever cliches you want to use, really. Um, I think that's that's a massive part of the training of a young tour pro. If you're talking about, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I'm harking back a little bit, but, you know, I, I played on tour for 10 years with a modicum of success. I was a top 40, 50, 60 player on the, on the tour. And all of a sudden from 60 something or 70 something, um, I won the European open, which was a massive event. I mean, come, talk about coming out of the woodwork. Um, now, why that one week I came and beat Faldos, Lyle, Woozy and everybody else for that one week? Who knows? I put it better. Did I put better than I do normally? Not really. Did I drive it better than I do normally? Not really. Um, I just happened to do everything within the game. Driving, iron play, saving, out of bunkers, you know, whatever else. Uh, I did it better that week than everybody else, which was an amazing uh really from a from what i would call a journeyman pro um so uh, and i i i use that ex, uh in, in my uh coaching really in that there's one thing that changed me from being a top 70 player uh into a winner on the tour and it was a word called oily and that was uh, a word that i grabbed hold of by by almost by fluke i'd been talking to my coach the previous day and he said, perhaps it needs to be a little bit more oily. And oily for him meant it was softer. Um, and that just gave me the timing back that I didn't have, that I was struggling with my game. And, and that's how fickle the game is when you can, when, you, when you're when you a player like me, who was a, an ordinary player, relatively ordinary player, um, and then went on a bit of a run with one phrase that just turned my career, it's quite staggering. Now that oily can be my transition between backswing and downswing or for you it might have been slightly you know push your hands forward with your putting stroke or move your hands further back or use a heavier putter or a lighter putter or a change of putter whatever it is you know we are all much closer to um realizing our full potential than we mostly realize and i think that would be would be one thing is is don't be frightened to change one or two things and don't be frightened to to uh, experiment with with the simple things Rhythm, balance, all that stuff. I love that oily. It's fluent and soft. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's got with it. Because when you first look at oil as well as a, you know, it's it's quite clean and fluent and when it's only when it gets dirty. So you've got to keep changing that, haven't you? It's just like the car engine, you know, you've got to yeah. keep testing and adjusting and tuning and don't yeah. be afraid, I suppose, to make tiny little tweaks because yeah and it's and it is yeah. tiny tweaks that's exactly my 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 uh, philosophy would you know would be you know with good players i was a good player and i was playing badly for two two or three weeks i was playing poorly but i've not become a bad swinger you know i was still swinging actually all right you know you can look at the technical things as i'm was i taking it back more closed was i stood too far away from the ball you know all those things but actually the one thing that changed it at that time was a change of rhythm thought. 
and that was it. I, all of a sudden, I had off the middle of the bat for the first time in three weeks, and uh, and, and for six months later, I, for six months, I played the best golf I've ever played, probably. And then I went over to Japan and America, and I played played nicely for for a while, really, and then. So you lose it a little bit and you go searching again and then it's something else. It might be your setup or it might be your, your clubs are gone a bit are, are a bit light or you just fancy a bit of a change of putter or you know that you how often do you hear those stories of of small changes? Change my wedges this week because I changed my driver because and it's sometimes for no reason and it just gives you that little bit of an edge, a th- distraction of thought, whatever it is. A million things it could be, and at that, kick on, yeah. At a that level, on. it's a fickle game. The the word that you said there, rhythm, was it rhythm thought? Yeah, and, yeah, rhythm. And, and oily. Yeah. One of the things that I study is a lot of linguistics and language, and I think you've just highlighted really nicely there that the power of words and the impact that words can have, which will create yeah. a different meaning, and yeah. that is again changing the thought process to test it, adjust it, measure it. Okay, what's happened? And the, the mind's really good at just holding you in places that you don't like to be, probably yeah. more than places that you want to be. You want to be, absolutely right. Yeah, and in golf, as you know, we're going to have more failures and successes. It doesn't matter yeah. what level, you know. I think I read a stat the other day, Tiger Woods, 22% of every tournament he's ever played, he's only won. And you think, and everybody thought, wow, this guy's won everything. But he didn't, yeah. he still go out there and do it and, yeah. Uh, Michael Campbell, I was on a live Q&A with him a few months ago and he was just talking, he, when when he beat Tiger out in the Middle East and things like that and in Asia, but he only won, I think, 6% of his competitions, which is really a low number. And um, yeah, it's not it's not always going to go your way, is it? And you just, it's about... No, it's how you, I think how you, how you deal with adversity is, and how you, how you deal with disappointment, because actually every shot is pretty well every shot for... For most amateurs is disappointing, isn't it? I mean, in the broad scheme of most amateur golfers, they can hit some good shots, but most of them are disappointing. If I hit four, five good shots around to my standard that I still play decent now, um, I hit four or five shots that I'm pleased with. The rest are a little bit disappointing, really. So if that's at that level and you're at your level and you know, Joe Bloggs is at his level, and it's dealing with those disappointments that it's a game of disappointments and how you deal with it. So you've got to be, bit, you've got to be tough. I am. Um, I relate golf to life. Making a decision, it doesn't work. How do you, how do you respond rather than reacting? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Andrew, we're just pushing a little bit for time there. And I think we could probably speak for a little bit longer because we're really getting to the floor of, of just all of the dynamic around the game. And there's a, I know there's a lot more we can talk about, but I really just want to take away them two words that you said, that oily and rhythm thought. I, I love that. That's brilliant. It's um, definitely going to be used in my vocabulary now. And, and yeah, shared. well, that's good. I think one of the things that, that really helped me, uh, people talk about uh, breathing and uh, disciplining breathing. I know Justin Rose does a lot. Uh, whistling helped helped me at that point in my life as well because I was getting a lot of tension in my jaw. You know, people get nervous playing golf, whether it's playing in the men's comps or the ladies' comps or the mixed forces, whatever it is, or you play at tour level. We all get nervous, and how do you, how do you cope with nerves? Some people whistle, some people chew gum, some people you know laugh and joke, some people you've got to find your own way, and it's not that easy to do that. 
You're right. I, I completely agree with you. And just to, it's about finding just that little thing within inside you that knows that works, that keeps you in that space, that awareness. Yeah. So a lot of the things that, which is I practice mindfulness and meditation. I work with Dr. Joseph Parent, who mentors me Zen Golf. And um, so yeah, I'm I'm really into that kind of thing about finding the the relaxedness, the the opening of the mouth when you're playing your shot as well, so you're not tensed and things and just. Little, just tiny little shaking off like Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now said that when two ducks have a fight on the water they both dust their feathers off and swim away from each other and they're releasing the energy the tension and it's the same as when you've hit a shot release that tension as quickly as possible but don't take it into the next part of where you are and I think yeah, if you do right. it comes with all the attachment but um, brilliant stuff right. Andrew Sorry, um, sorry if I've, I've gone on a bit too much there, no, John. No, no, uh, you haven't. Got into you haven't time, but um, I'd be delighted to to do some more of this. It's uh, uh, and as you can probably tell, I can talk for England, so apologies. I just you don't have to apologise. It's all relevant and brilliant stuff that you said, and I'm, I've got a lot of takeaway from this. How do we find you, Andrew, um, about your business and what you do? Just to let people um, know. Well, yeah, uh, AndrewMurrayGolf.com. Uh, finds me if you don't put the golf you get the tennis player so um always put the golf in i'm at uh, at a murray golf on twitter and andrew murray golf on instagram and um we're on linkedin as well obviously as a business so yeah chuffed to help anybody chuffed to talk to anybody and love talking about the game brilliant stuff if you want to reach out to andrew there's there's the man very experienced in what he does traveled a bit with the the radio as well and still keeps his head in the game the corporate stuff, if you're looking for an event over in the Northwest or anywhere in the country, reach out to him. I'd just really like to thank you for coming on to the show, Andrew, and I look forward to welcoming you on again and we can have another chat. Thank you so much. I'd love much. to do that, John, anytime. Stay safe and stay safe, everybody else out there, and we look forward to seeing everybody on the golf course soon, hopefully. Thank you, Now, Cheers. Just a quick one for the uh, listeners there. I've just set up an event. Um, it's going to be on the 10th of February at 7pm UK time and it's going to be a mindfulness meditation session with myself with some guided work we're going to be looking at TEM which is total embodied meditation so this is all around your awareness your breathing sound smell and taste so if you want to know anything about that then just send me a message and we can get you booked on it's just a completely free event because I understand that people are struggling so I want to keep your head in the game a little bit get you mentally prepared ready for the new season coming out that was Andrew Murray on the show today on Keep Sharing. This is John, your host, JT, that people call me. Um, I look forward to sending out some more information on exactly what's coming up next, and I'll put Andrew's details on the bio as well. Take care, everybody, and keep sharing.